This is episode 459 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, The Post-Apocalyptic Economy and Job Market. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, this episode is sponsored by Audible. Now, Audible books were one of the inspirations for this podcast. I purposely don't add bumper music to the podcast because I want it to feel more like an audiobook that just starts and provides value. Now, I love to learn and grow through audiobooks, and Audible makes it so easy. If you're not a member of Audible, you can join free for 30 days and start your Audible journey with two free audiobooks. The great thing about Audible is that you can cancel at any time, and you get to keep the books that you have downloaded. So for more information, click the link in the show notes or go to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com forward slash audible. All right, guys, so this article comes to us from timgamble.com. And again, the title is The Post-Apocalyptic Economy and Job Market. And so, you know, he starts off saying this is a thought experiment. You know, like, what would it be like if you were in that situation? Because let's just be real. If we ever were, and I'm, I'm saying let's be real and we're imagining, but let's just think about that for a second. If we ever were in that type of event, right? If we ever were in that type of scenario, what would it look like for you? I mean, a lot of people would be gardening and doing those types of things, and definitely it would be survival. But after a certain time, things would start to level off, and there's got to be some things that we do because gardening wouldn't take up all the time. And there's ways to make money. And if you really you kind of go back in history a little bit, you might get a little bit of an idea of what people did to be able to earn a living. Not everybody was a farmer. Not everybody was a rancher. You know, people did things. They owned stores. They, you know, whatever, depending on how far back you want to go. And so my hope for this article is, I know that this is apocalyptic and doom and gloom and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But the idea here is, what could you do today? What skills would you have? And maybe you can be just a little bit creative, right, with what, you, what you're able to do. But what could you do today that would be able to pay off later on down the road? And here's the thing, you know, if we have lives where we go to a, an office job and that's all we do, and uh, unless we're doing like accounting and things like that, and I mean, that might be something that would be needed there. But if we go and we just sit in front of a computer and we do, you know, computer-based, web-based kinds of things, and then we come home and then, you know, everything is you know, based on, you know, the television and we those types of things that, you know, we, we cook fast food or, or food that's easy to cook. And, and that's it. That's all our life is about. If we don't have any other skills, I mean, we might want to think about putting some skills into our repertoire, right? So uh, just, just one of these foods for thoughts, another kind of fun article to be thinking about in, in just like, hey, what would happen and what kinds of skills do I have? So at the end, I want to touch on that just a little bit more. And so I'll, I'll expound on that just a little bit more. 
And uh, I have a reason for all that. So um, let's go ahead and start reading The Post-Apocalyptic Economy and Job Market. As a thought experiment, I imagined what a post-apocalyptic economy and job market would look like. Here's what I imagined. So it finally happened, the SHTF. It was Tiatwaki. Maybe it was war with China that went nuclear. Maybe it was a mutated version of Ebola that went worldwide. Maybe Elizabeth Warren won the presidency in 2020. Whatever the reason, civilization finally collapsed worldwide. The apocalypse happened. Now, the remnants of mankind find themselves in a post-apocalyptic world. Everything has changed. Well, almost everything. People still need to provide for themselves and their families. The end came, and we still have to work. What will the post-apocalyptic economy look like? Now, in my opinion, the apocalypse will lead to the end of our modern mass production, our throwaway economy, the end of globalization and large-scale corporations, the rise of localized agrarian economies dominated by food production and family-owned small businesses, the emergence of a low-energy economy as large-scale production of fuel and electricity ceases, modern fiat currencies will disappear, replaced by barter and tangible assets like gold, silver, and etc., and local currencies will eventually arise as the political situation stabilizes, but will typically be backed by tangible assets. Now, sometimes when I have read things like this, so let me break off from the article here just for a second. Sometimes when people have talked like this before, people will come back like with a comment. And I've seen it before on uh, on articles and you know on social media and stuff like that. You've been reading too many fictional, you know, prepper fiction novels and things like that. But if you were listening to, um, you know, some of my recent podcasts and just recently I posted, I I received an email from uh, a gentleman who has family in Venezuela and he, uh, he traveled down there for a week to spend some time. He took some things and just the story that he had to tell because you know, not everybody gets that type of information about what's going on down there. In fact, that's that's one of, one of the things somebody said when I posted it on social media is like, hey, we don't we don't see. Or actually, it was a comment. Excuse me, that they said, hey, we don't get this from the mainstream media and how bad it was. And so, you know, they're down there in Venezuela. And so, anyway, that that is over at Prepper website, and and actually, it's been a very very popular. Uh, article today. And so I will link to it in the show notes if you're interested in it. Uh, it just I thought it was just a very fascinating article. But um, if you if you go and you read that and you and you talk to other people or you read other articles about what's going on in Venezuela, this is what's happening. There is a barter, there is a, a barter economy going on. There is a black market economy. So, you know, you have the things that you can pay for at the store, which is, you know, kind of government run, government sets the the, the numbers and, and how much things are going to cost. But if you have the money and you are willing to pay, you can buy whatever you need. On the other side of that, assets, you know, things that tangible things are, are really important. And that's how people are getting paid off. That's how you're able to get things done and all those types of things. So, you know, exactly what Tim has said here, those are some of the things that we see when we're looking at a collapsed economy like in Venezuela. So, you know, uh, something to consider there. So let me go ahead and go on. There will be no jobs at Google or Microsoft or Apple, not even any jobs at Walmart or McDonald's or even Taco Bell. 
the era of multinational conglomerates and even large national corporations will be over. But there will still be an economy and a job market because there will still be jobs that need to be done and exchanges to be made. Most people will work for themselves or at very small businesses in their locality. But work at what jobs? What skills will be in demand? In a grid-down post-apocalyptic world, robots and AI will be useless, as will much of the automation and machines of the industrial era. Most work will have to be done by people and by hand. There will be great demand for so-called low-skilled laborers to do the grunt work and heavy lifting that will need to be done. Unfortunately, the day laborer work will be hard and low-paying, much like today, except without those pesky safe regulations and modern child labor laws. The second thing is medical. The worldwide apocalypse will destroy the modern healthcare system. Big Pharma will have ceased to exist, as will modern high-tech hospitals and even insurance companies. The current medical system will be replaced by old-fashioned country doctors and nurses, midwives, and apothecaries. Anyone with any medical knowledge will find that knowledge in high demand, especially those with knowledge and skills of herbal and other natural healing methods. Modern licensing requirements will effectively be null and void as the collapse of government leaves no one to enforce those requirements. Unfortunately, this means that charlatans and quacks will appear, the snake oil salesmen of yesteryear, along with skilled and knowledgeable people, caveat emptor, let the buyer beware. And then there's the tinker. The throwaway economy is over. People will have to repair and make do instead of just going to the nearest big box store to buy new replacements. Tinkers, people who are skilled at repairing tools and other usually metal household items, will be in demand. Knife and blade sharpening fits in this category. Then you have food systems. Most of a post-apocalyptic economy will center around food production. Homesteading will be the norm by default. Most folks will raise at least a portion, if not most, of their own food. Anyone able to enhance food production, build greenhouses, teach permaculture, etc. will be in demand. Farmers able to grow enough food to feed others besides just their family will be celebrated. Millers and cannery operators will be in demand. And then there's water systems. As the water infrastructure collapses, those able to dig wells and irrigation systems will be in high demand. And what about animal husbandry and veterinarian skills? Animals for both food and as beasts of burden will be extremely important post-apocalypse. Folks skilled in breeding and or caring for animals will be in demand. And then sowing. Again, the end of the mass production, throwaway economy means people will need to make things last. Sewing skills will be in demand. Okay, so I think sewing skills are important um, and I think they will be in demand, but I think the basic sewing skills will, you know, people will learn that because they just need to learn that. I think where you really get into the sewing and, and having that as a, as a big skill is when you're able to make things like, you're able to make clothes, right? So out of just scraps or you're able to make it out of just raw materials and, you know, you just have like a, a pattern and you just have, you know, some cloth and you're able to, to be able to go and make a dress or, or whatever. So I think that would probably be uh, more along the lines of when we're talking about sewing. 
or or you have clothes in that you know people have worn uh, maybe they're hand-me-downs but they need to be taken in and different things like that uh, to be able to at least wear right right so it doesn't look like you're wearing a big sack for instance um, those types of things I think would be very valuable or having that skill all right so the next one is tradesmen and craftsmen the ability to build make maintain and repair especially in a low energy environment think hand tools, not power tools, will be essential to survival of human civilization. And what about a woodsman, lumberjacks, hunters, trappers, tanners, foragers, herbalists, etc.? Forests contain many resources that will be needed by folks in the post-apocalyptic world. Forests teem with edible plants and animals. Trees provide wood for burning and lumber for building. Leaves provide compost for improving soils. In addition to food, plants and mushrooms provide dyes and medicines, and animals provide furs and leather. Anyone with the knowledge and skills to extract and process these resources from forest will do well in the post-apocalyptic world. Then there's traveling merchants. So most trade will occur locally, but there will be the need to trade with other regions too. Those able to set themselves up as traveling merchants should be able to make a lucrative, albeit dangerous, living. Read up on the traveling merchants of the Middle Ages for a preview of what may be to come. And what about salvaging? Modern civilization will leave plenty of materials behind. Salvaging that material for use post-apocalypse will be an opportunity for those with the appropriate skills and tools. It also is potentially dangerous as you may have to deal with anything from dilapidated buildings to competing scavengers and entertainers. People like to be entertained, and TV, movies, and the internet will be gone. Before mass media, there was high demand for traveling entertainment, circuses, carnivals, vaudeville acts, and so forth. And then, finally, there is vice. In hard times, people like to be distracted from their troubles, Many folks will turn to abusing alcohol, drugs, and sex for the distraction. Just study what happened in the aftermath of the collapse of the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, or what happened in Argentina after the economic and political collapse in 2001, or what is happening in Venezuela right now. Sadly, there will be folks unscrupulous enough or desperate enough to supply vice to those who want it. There are better, safer, more moral options. See numbers 1 through 12 above. All right, so, uh, you know, short little article here, but a lot of great information, food for thought. I just wanted to talk a little bit about some of these and, and just, you know, again, kind of end it off with, uh, you, you know, one of the one of the things that, that's on my mind as I, as I read this. All right, so I don't know why, when I start thinking about the apocalypse, I always think about... Little House on the Prairie, and I don't know. I don't know why I go there. Um, when I was in fifth grade, my teacher read all the Little House on the Prairie books to us, like the whole series, right? And so we we got to follow the the, the Ingles all the way through, and all the different things that Pop Ingle did, and and all the different ways that they lived, and and all the you know just just everything, right? And so I don't know why I always think about that and how. You know, people there would would need things, and so when I when I try to apply things, sometimes 
I'm thinking about that. So that's kind of weird, right? Um, and sometimes I think about some of the, the, the novels that I've read and, and things like that. But anyway, that's just burned in my memory all the, from all these years. You know, you go back and, you know, to, to fifth grade and you can remember those. And it was a great time. And we would go to recess and we would come in. And I guess it was like a, a teaching strategy to get us to calm down. We would sit down on the floor and she would read us a chapter. And throughout the, you know, throughout the whole year, we went through many, many books. Sometimes she would read more than one chapter. And so those were pretty cool. But anyway, so getting back to, to some of these things that get me thinking about, you know, what, what could you do in the apocalypse? You know, basically, you know, you have your food the food and growing food and, and being a gardener or farmer, rancher, you have all those types of things. But there's a lot of other things you could possibly do as well. When I was reading about the traveling merchants, I was thinking about the time in Little House on the Prairie when they had sugar and they talked about how sugar was a uh, was something you know very rare for them, right? And so they had all this sugar and they could cook with it, but it wasn't something that they always had. You know, people people have a lot of sugar. You know, they can go to the grocery store and get a 25, 25 pound bag or a five pound bag, whatever. You know, they, they can get a lot of sugar and have that, but for them it was it was something rare. And so you think about those things that are very rare that that. Be, that are that are imported, you know. So things like coffee, coffee would is. I mean, there's no place really on in the United States that could go grow coffee. Possibly some very very southern places can do it, and that would have to be like a special microclimate. But for the most part, people would not have coffee. We would run out of coffee and that caffeine fix and all that kind of stuff. But what would people do if they didn't have coffee and they remembered what coffee was like and they could get coffee? And so if you were a traveling salesman and you could go and you can, you know, you can get that imported from, you know, from, uh, you know, South America and, and have that and be able to sell that, that would be something. The other thing I was thinking about along those lines is there's a lot of things that people can grow that are a little bit more exotic, right? So people grow the cucumbers and the bell peppers and the tomatoes and things like that. But what if you grew something a little bit more exotic that not everybody grew, then people would want that. People would want to trade with you. People would want to barter with you because it was something different. And, uh, you know, with, with that, if it has its seed, I mean, of course, people could also grow it as well. But you know, whatever that might be, you know, I was thinking back to the sugar thing, you know, that's not as easily to, to process. So, you know, how would they do that? If you could process sugar and you can get that, you know, move that up north or, or, you know, whatever, you know, move that and sell that, that would be something that people would want. The other thing I think would be very valuable is knowing, uh, you know, herbal medicine. And he talked about that here, or knowing did the different herbs and things like that in, you know, being able to identify them, being able to, or knowing how to use them, right? Knowing how to make a tincture, tincture, knowing how to make, uh, you know, how to make a poultice, knowing how to, uh, you know, dry out herbs and, and, and all that kind of stuff, uh, making teas and stuff. I think that would be very, very valuable because modern, modern medical science would be gone, right? And so people would, uh, you just can't go to the hospital. You can't just go to the clinic, People would need to rely on herbal uh, medicine, and that's one reason why I believe in Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's um, their book. You know, the survival, uh, the survival 
the Wilderness Survival, or I'm getting it totally wrong, Survival Medicine Handbook. There you go. And so I think everybody should have that one. And there is chapters on there uh, about antibiotics or, or you know fish antibiotics, uh, about herbal medicine, about essential oils that uh, would be very, very helpful. Hey, by the way, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy have come out with another book on antibiotics. And so I think that uh, that's something that you could look at if you are interested in. Uh, I don't have my copy yet, but definitely, you know, that might be something you need to look into. They always put out really great stuff. And, you know, it's like they're real medical professionals, so they know what they're doing. All right, so, you know, there's a lot of things here that, uh, you know, the tinkerer being able to problem solve and fix things, I think is a big deal. Having uh, having some, some medical knowledge, again, like I said, I think that's important. Knowing how to just do things would be so helpful because people nowadays don't have the skills that people in the in the old I mean things that that were just common knowledge back in the day and even if you want to go back to like I said little house on the prairie times right even basic knowledge that they had then people don't have that kind of stuff now and and people would people would need to, to have things done and now at, at a certain point you know people would start to learn and people would would be forced to uh to, to learn certain skills and things like to sharpen an axe and sharpen a knife and and like garden and, and those types of things. I mean, they would be forced to learn because if if not, they just they don't have what they need. But for a long time, there's going to be the ability that if you have skills, you're able to do it. So anyway, so let me get to, to the thing that I was thinking about um, you, when I first started talking about this article is for for the longest time for well actually most of this year i have been talking about the importance of having a micro biz right i've i've talked about a micro biz i've talked or a side hustle or a side gig or whatever you want to call them i think that that is something that every prepper should have every prepper should have some type of side business or i mean i call it a micro biz because it's not really a business it's a it's a micro business but uh, you know you're able to do it. It's something that you work at, and a lot of the times it would be something that you love to do, something that you enjoy doing that you can get paid for. And like I've said, you know the reason I wrote my book, and you can get that by you know just coming over to the podcast website and clicking. You know I have a link at the very very top of the website, or you can just go to microbiz.biz, and that'll get you to where that ebook is. But the reason I wrote that is because I realized one of the ways that I was able to get prepared was because I had a micro biz. And because I had that micro biz, I was able to bring in some extra finances into our uh, into our budget that allowed me to buy some of the things that I needed for preparedness. I wasn't taking money out of my family budget. I was taking money out of my micro biz budget. And so I was able to do some of the things and even buy some toys and different things like that that I wanted to, to check out and to play with because I had a micro biz. So think about some of the things that you love to do, some of the things that, that you just, you know, you would go to the garage and you would tinker around with or or you would go to the kitchen and you would just wouldn't have a problem with or go to the, you know, the, the living room table or whatever and just sit there and not necessarily turn on the TV and just sit there and work at this thing. It's something that people would pay for. Now, a lot of the times you have skills 
that you don't realize. You think they're just, okay, hey, this is just a skill. Well, let's just take like sewing, right? So you think you just have this sewing skill, like it's no big deal. I can sew. But people look at that and say, wow, I wish I knew how to do that. And I will pay you to sew some of my garments or to, to hem up some pants that I have or to put on some, uh, you know, some new buttons on or to fix this thing, you know, whatever. And so a lot of the times we think, wow, you know, we are able to do this and this is no big deal. But other people look at it and say, no, that is a big deal. I, I'm willing to pay for that. So the thing to do is to find that thing that you love to do, that people say that you're good at. And that's one of the things that you know I've written about in the book. You know, ask people, hey, what do you think that I'm good at? You know, what do you think that I I, I can do really well? And and people might tell you, know, hey, you bake really great cakes. We love it when you bake a cake, or we love it when you bring dessert to, to the office, right? Or you know, whatever it might be. You know, you have the, the most beautiful beautiful flower arrangements or, you know, what, whatever it is, right, that you are able to do that people would pay for in whatever capacity and that that would earn you money so that you could, so that you could add to your preparedness. Now, if that thing was something that was a, a hard skill that you could take with you into, you know, something like the apocalypse, right, or, or, you know, the poop hit the fan, how much better would that be, right? And so, for instance, I was thinking about, you know, we are in hunting season right now, you know, deer season. And a lot of people will go out and they'll get their deer and they'll skin it and they just kind of, you know, they throw away the hide. But what if you, maybe you wanted to experiment with with dealing with the hides and, and trying to, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, trying to, to cure that or trying to do that work with hides. And so in your backyard, you go through some of the different processes, you do some research and you're like, Hey, all right. So this is one way that I can, you know, work with a hide to see if I can turn this into leather or, or to see if I could cure this or I can, you know, whatever I can work with this. Right. And so, you know, and then think about what that would be like if you were able to take that into, you know, into um, a poop hit the fan scenario. Or what if you were, for instance, you know, one of my friends, uh, Todd, over at Survival Sherpa. I haven't read one of his articles on the podcast in a long, long time. Uh, he's a fellow educator. And uh, but one of the things he's been doing is building like a log cabin, right? He's been building a log cabin and he's been doing that slowly. And so he's like really up on working with wood and axes and all that kind of stuff. So what if you had that ability to build a log cabin and you're able to show people how to do that? And, you know, you went and you traveled around like, hey, I will build uh, help you build a log cabin for this or for that or whatever, you know. And so that skill that he has working with wood would be able to pay off in an apocalyptic scenario. So think about all the other things. What about candles? You 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 like making candles, right? So what if you were able to make candles and you knew how to make them from scratch, right? From like, hey, I have nothing. I have raw materials and now I'm going to make some candles. And so you were able to do that and you were able to take that into an apocalyptic scenario. What would that be like? How valuable would that be? If, a, if there was a scenario where there wasn't any electricity or there wasn't anything like that, you were able to make candles and that would provide light for people, you know, when the, when the, when the sun went down. So how valuable would that be? So 
you know, think about those types of things, you know, like what kinds of skills could I do or what kinds of things am I interested in, interested in that I can take with me to the apocalypse if that was, you know, was to happen, you know, on top of the gardening and all that kind of stuff. And so anyway, that was kind of where I was going with all of that. Because there's going to be some people who's like, man, I don't have anything, you know? There was this one teacher that I worked with that her husband always made fun of her because th- this was back when The Walking Dead was coming out. And uh, he, he always told her, like, you're just you're just going to die because you, you can't do anything else. And I'm like, no, that's not true. You are a great, and she was a great teacher. You're a great teacher. And so after, you know, civilization gets kind of back to normal, you would be in very high demand because you would be able to teach kids and get them, you know, to what they needed to, to know, to be able to, to move on and to, to accelerate. And so, you know, there's always, there's always something like that. And so there's people out there who feel like they can't do anything, but you can do something. There is something that you can do. So there is something that you can do that, that uh, I'm telling you, there's something that you can do that you can use as a micro biz to earn extra money. And then there's also something that you can do that is hands on that, you know, would, would be beneficial in a scenario where, you know, the, the economy has crashed and it's hard skills that you could take with you. So anyway, there you go. If you're interested in the ebook, come on over to the prepper website podcast.com. I think there's a link in the show notes where you can come and, uh, you can come check out that ebook, um, on, on, uh, building a micro biz for yourself. Uh, all right, guys. So again, that is over at timgamble.com. Like always, I'm going to link to it in the show notes and, uh, you can come check it out. And uh, think about, I'd love to, if you, if you come up with something that you, you feel like, Hey, I could do that other than like, you know, gardening and, and, and that type of stuff. Right. But if there's something that you feel like you could do in the apocalypse and uh, you could get paid for, I'd love for you to come over to episode 459 and drop it in the, drop it in the comment section. I make it easy for you now because I link directly to uh, episode 459 in, or any of the podcast episodes in the show notes. So just one click, boom, you're there. And then you just drop it in the comments and just let me know like, Hey, what, what would you be good at? And, uh, I'd love to know about that and, uh, you know, read it on the podcast a little bit later on. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 459. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Head on over to the prepper website, podcast.com. That way you never miss another episode of sweet prepper goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.